Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Alvin Love. I serve as a lead pastor here at the church. And for those of you who are here for the first time, uh, I want to welcome you again. We're honored that you decide to spend this afternoon with us. Uh, I'm excited about what I share, what I'm sharing today. I usually always am, but sometimes I'm more excited than others. And today is one of those higher, higher excitement days because I just love the content that we're going to get into. We got a lot of scripture. So I'm going to get into it. Um, before we do, I like to get us all to prepare our minds and our hearts to engage in the word of God. So repeat these words after me. Say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. The more I give life, the more I'll receive. The more I live life, the more I'll believe. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so we are in the series called Zeal for the House. And by zeal for the house, uh, zeal is another word for passion, for fire, for enthusiasm. And then by the house, we mean the house of God, the local church where we gather together and offer spiritual sacrifices unto God like Scripture says. Um, the Scripture that really kind of spawned the series is Romans chapter 12, verse 11, and it says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep that spiritual fervor up when it comes to serving the Lord. And honestly, after a month of talking about this, I can sense the fervor and the zeal increase in our church. And I'm just not, I'm not just saying that. I can see it, sincerely see it from the staff onto our team leaders to the congregation. And it's really encouraging for me to see that. Uh, two weeks ago, you saw the video. We had a group of men go minister at Men of Valor. Men of Valor is a great ministry that helps people re-enter uh, society after being incarcerated. And that's a tough adjustment. And this ministry is built to encourage them and we, uh, we got to send a team there. We had a worship team, a guide team from our music team go. Uh, my father got to share his testimony. And we ministered and served and fed about 80 men, I think. So that happened a couple weeks ago. We're looking forward to going back. Actually, uh, just putting feelers out, we just had our training. But um, I would love to open up a, a, a small group of sorts or a life group of sorts from Nashville Life over there. So if you have a heart to minister in that area, please, let's go. Let's do it. And uh, looking forward to getting more involved with them. They are a blessing. Uh, yesterday, we had a great turnout for our serve day. We got to serve Paragon Mills Elementary School. We had such a big turnout that we, we, we didn't have enough jobs. We had to go and create some other stuff. So a group went to our new church building and helped paint the new church, helped organize the new church. We had whole families coming out, serving during the afternoon and the morning. So that was great to see. Meanwhile, while that's happening, a couple of floors up at our new church, we were training new life group leaders for the spring semester, the past two weeks, we've been training new leaders who want to start opening up their own life groups. And all this is just happening at once. So there's, there's, some, there's some great activity happening, and I can just sense the, the life and the engagement and the enthusiasm build. And I truly believe it's a product of what we're preaching on. Um, thank God. And then on top of that, as if it couldn't get better, there is a, we've been waiting on this one piece to get 
uh, into this new building. And it was our architect needing to, needing to submit a drawing for a construction situation to the city for us to get our CFO. And we've been waiting for months. And guys, that drawing came in Saturday, came in yesterday. Oh my gosh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So according to what we've been told, there is nothing stopping us anymore from getting our certificate of occupancy. We could get it as early as tomorrow. Um, and then after that, we are on the road to moving into 2639 Nolansville Pike. So God is moving. We just got to we just got to keep the zeal up. We got to keep moving, right? It's, it's an endurance game. The Lord says if we don't give up, we will receive the harvest. And there's been a lot in the past year that has tempted me to, to want to give up. And I'm just being honest because it's tough and your capacity stretches. But if you, the, scriptures, the scriptures don't lie. And they say if you endure and don't give up, you'll receive the harvest. And I'm just so glad that I'm still standing in time to receive this amazing harvest of us moving in to the new building. Um, so today I want to reconvene. I want us to gather around uh, vision. Um, for us to have zeal for the house, we need to have a sense of vision. Vision is directly connected to, to zeal. It's very difficult to have enthusiasm and to sustain it without vision, without knowing where you're going. Uh, scripture says in Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Another translation says they cast off restraint, which means you can get fatigued, you can faint, you can give up without vision. So vision is very important because without it, the Bible says that, that we perish, we give up, especially in those hard moments and those times where you want to quit, those times where you want to get weary. It's vision that keeps you engaged. It's that sense of destination that keeps you getting up every day and pressing forward. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 says, write the vision and make it plain. And the reason why is so that they, us, the people, may run who reads it. It's very important to make the vision plain when it comes to our congregation so you guys can run with it. So not only do we have to talk about the vision once, we got to talk about it twice. We got to talk about it three times. We got to always keep vision alive in your heart so that you can run with it. We're uh, redesigning, even our website right now, if you go to it, but I was looking at a, a revamped version that Marissa Roberts is doing a great job at redesigning, but uh, the vision's everywhere. You see the vision of our church all through the website because according to scripture, if we read it and we can see it plainly, then we can run with it. Um, so the vision of our church is following Jesus, building leaders. In case you weren't sure, the vision of our church is following Jesus, building leaders. And this vision is based off of a universal principle that is prevalent both in the natural world as well as the supernatural world, and that is the principle of multiplication. Multiplication is a, a God-ordained principle that we see in, human, in, in nature, in, in the natural world, but we also see it in the spiritual world. And our vision is uh, a vision that really hones in on this principle of multiplication, which if you look in Scripture, you see is totally a thread through everything God says and everything he does. There's this component of multiplication that's attached to it. We see it from the very beginning of Scripture. When he, when he creates the earth, you see that everything that has life has the capacity and actually the mandate to multiply. 
from trees to plants to fish to, to molecules to atoms to people. He told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. You see that this is a constant theme in the will of God. You see in the covenant he makes with Abraham, God's covenant with Abraham, the father of our faith, according to Scripture, is totally connected to multiplication. It's you and your wife are going to produce an offspring, and that offspring is going to produce a nation, and that nation is going to bless every family in the earth. Multiplication. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is a product of multiplication. God, in the Spirit, he multiplied himself and gave us Jesus. Jesus is the multiplication of God in the flesh. The Bible says that Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus is God incarnate. He is the Son of God. So even our Lord and Savior is a product of this, this thing called multiplication. And then we see Jesus, his mission was all about multiplication. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So I'm fishing for you guys so then you guys can go and fish for other people and those people can go fish for other people. So you again, you see this reoccurring theme of multiplication, of being fruitful. Uh, Jesus' parables, there's parables where he talked about multiplication. The multiplication, I mean the parable of the talents where he gave each person an, individual, uh, uh, an amount of talents, uh, money, and they had the call to take what they were given and produce more from it, to multiply what they were given. Jesus famously cursed a fig tree because it wasn't producing fruit. The, the fig tree wasn't producing anything, so, so he cursed it because, again, it's not in God's nature for things not to be fruitful and multiply. John chapter 15, Jesus says in verse 5 through 8, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered like that fig tree. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words Abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. If you want to know how the Father is glorified, he's glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. So we see this is a constant theme in the life of God, in the mission of God, and then in Jesus. And then as his church, as his offspring, it must be ours too, which is that's why our vision is about multiplication. As if he didn't make it any more clear, Jesus does his whole ministry on earth and his parting words before he's ascended back into heaven, where he sits now next to God the Father. He leaves us with these words, the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So you see that even before he left, 
Let me leave them with one more charge, and that is full circle moment back to the same thing in Genesis. Be fruitful and multiply. He spoke to disciples and said, go and make more of them and teach them to make more of them and then teach them. And I'm so grateful for the commission because it's because of that multiplication that we're saved today, 2,000 years later. How do you think we got saved? We got saved because some of the disciples decided to make more, and those disciples decided to make more, and it led all the way to the person that led you to Jesus. The, 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 the spirit of multiplication is alive today, and it's our turn to pay it forward to, so that the next generation can be disciples as well. So we see this constant drive for multiplication. Fruitfulness is of God's nature. And we as his children have that same nature. And I also want to encourage you guys, because if you are a son of God through Christ Jesus, if you are a daughter of God through Christ Jesus, you actually have his nature living on the inside of you. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to go search for it. It's in you. There's certain things that when you inherit by nature through your family, it's in you inherently. Anyone who's a son or a daughter of God has the nature of God and therefore has the ability and the anointing to multiply. We don't have to work for this. For instance, the woman at the well. The woman at the well in, in uh, John 4, right? Test me. Um, she has an encounter with Jesus. And her heart is changed because Jesus reaches her heart. And it was natural in her after this encounter to go tell other people about it. She didn't have to be beaten about it or yelled about it. It was, it was a natural flow because the spirit of God has the ability to multiply. So when you receive the spirit, you've received the ability to multiply. And, and she naturally went and told people about it. And they said people came to meet Jesus. For instance, uh, another thing that was uh, something that happened to me, another example, a couple weeks ago, um, I, 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 I believe that I'm someone who likes to share the gospel with others. Let's hope so, right? Um, I'm, in the wrong, I'm in the wrong job if I don't like doing that. Um, I, I love it, and this is, this is how I'm here. This is all I've been doing for the past 10 years. However, specifically in the area of of street evangelism, I don't do that much. It's not that I'm against it, I'm for it. It's just not something that I was really around a lot and it's, it's just not what I consider myself particularly confident in, of just going to strangers cold and just saying like, do you know Jesus, you know? Uh, it's just, that's just not really what I do, but that's what people do. Um, so I, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I decided to go to Kyle and Marion's life group to just be a, a you know, a, a guest and hear the word and you know, I had a free Thursday and I, I always hear they're having a lot of fun, so I was like, I want to go over there. And sure enough, this was the day they all decide to go downtown to do street evangelism. And I was like, what? I, I, didn't, know, <laughs> I didn't know that that's what we were doing tonight. And sure enough, that was the plan. So I'm like, Lord, here I am, the pastor of this church. Like, I don't really do this. Well, what is it going to be like? You know, I, I'm a human being too. So it's like, are they going to think I'm crazy? Are they going to laugh at me? Are they going to run away? And, you know, you have all these thoughts, right? So we get in groups, and who was in my group? It was Matt was in my group, and Mayari and Johnny. 
And it was us four, and I was like, Lord, here we go. And, man, we had the best time. Like, we had the best time. We got to connect with these people. And I'll tell you this because it was in me. It was in me to do that. I didn't think maybe it was in me, but again, I have the Holy Spirit. It was in me. Once we started talking, all of a sudden, it was so natural. You would have thought I'd been doing it. You, thought, you would have thought I did that every week. And I believe that it's because it's in us. There's certain, if we are sons and daughters of God, we can rest assured that his nature is in us. The ability to share the good news is in us, not because we have it in of ourselves, but we are sons and daughters of God. There's certain things that you just have. I don't know. There's a couple friend of mine. Some of you guys might know them. Um, they're husband and wife, and they're both insane singers, very good singers, Gerard and Javon. And they're both really, really good singers. They sing behind my mom. And I've known them for years. And they got married, and they uh, started having kids. And when they first had a kid, it was like, it's a no-brainer. Their kid's going to be a great singer. Like, it's just inevitable. Great singer, great singer, plus great singer equals great singers. And sure enough, both of their kids are beasts at singing. They have incredible ears. They do four-part harmony while they cook breakfast. Like, it's just in them because they are the sons of Gerard and Javon. They have the nature of good singing because that's who their father and their mother is. It's inevitable. It's natural. So if you are a son of God, it's a no-brainer because I know who your dad is. Your dad multiplies. Your dad shares the good news. Your dad heals the sick. Your dad raises the dead. It's in you. And when we come together, it's not to find it. It's to learn how to use it. It's to recognize it. It's to believe that it's there. And when we step out, we'll realize that it was there the whole time. It was there the whole time. There's so many examples I could share of it being there the whole time. And I want to encourage us that multiplication, if you are a son of God through Christ Jesus, if you are a daughter of God through Christ Jesus, it's inside you. It's there. And guess what? It's been there the whole time. It's been there the whole time. You don't need to get anything else. Let me get another touch. Let me get another altar call. I'm all for it, but it's there because of who your father is, and you are his offspring according to our faith. Right? It's good news. The pressure's off. It's there. Same goes for making disciples. I remember when I was learning about Jesus when I was living in Australia, no one had to tell me to do it because as I was learning about Jesus, I naturally received this desire for someone else to know about Jesus. And it called me just oversimplifying. I just believe that it's there. I don't believe that you can encounter Jesus by the Spirit and have zero concern or desire for someone else not to know about it. That's just, that's how, that's how natural 
I believe that this is. And I have evidence, not only from my life, I've seen the Holy Spirit come on people's lives, and they naturally care about others getting it too. It's a built-in component. It's a built-in element of multiplication with Jesus. It's not, it's not like each sold separately. You don't receive Jesus and then receive this desire for people to know Jesus. It comes with Jesus. To have Jesus is to have the desire for other people to know about Jesus because Jesus, the one that you've received, came to seek and save the lost. So how can you have Jesus and not also have the desire to seek and save the lost? I'm telling you, it's there. I'm telling you, it's with you. If you have Jesus, you have this. I remember when uh, Trey, Trey Smith, um, from our church, before we were a church, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it was around 1 in the morning, and we were driving from my parents' house back to my house, our house. He was my roommate at the time. And it was like 2 a.m., and he didn't have to go to a class. He didn't have to go to a seminar. He immediately got his phone out, and at 2 a.m., he was trying to call all of our friends who he didn't think had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had to tell him, yo, it's 2 a.m. Like, let's call him in the morning. Like, it's 2 a.m. He's like, but, but so-and-so has to know about this, and, and so-and-so has to know about this, and so-and-so doesn't know about it. It was in him. Not because it was in Trey, but it's in the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the contents of the Holy Spirit, which includes a desire for more people to know. Uh it's just by a coincidence, but his wife, Shannon, now wife, then wasn't his wife, she worked with my sister, and she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the back, in the workroom at a salon where he, she and my sister Ashley worked. Ashley prayed for Shannon in the back of a salon to receive the Holy Spirit. And the first thing she said after talking in tongues, the first English word she said was, I want the whole world to know about Jesus. No one taught that to her. She didn't have to go to a class to receive it. Through the Spirit came a desire to spread Jesus. I promise you, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to multiply. And you have the desire to multiply. It might be covered under a lot of distractions and a lot of doubt and a lot of fear, but it's there. I know it's there because if Jesus is there, it's there. So be encouraged that it's already there. Search no further. Just look into what you already have. Look into Jesus and you will see his nature to multiply. Following Jesus, building leaders, that's the vision of our church. If you look, you will see this theme of multiplication in Jesus, his ministry. You'll see scriptures like John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again. Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, right? That's John 8. Then you'll move over to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. And you'll see Jesus, the same one that says, I am the light of the world, now say, 
you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So in these two scriptures, you see the theme of multiplication. Jesus is the light. And then people follow him, and he multiplies his light in them, and now they become the light. Multiplication. Let's see this other pair of scriptures. Luke chapter 19, verse 9 through 10. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, for the son of man, Jesus, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. And then you read Mark chapter 1, verse 17, Jesus said to them, his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So you see this concept. First, Jesus was the light. He multiplies that and now his followers become the light. Jesus has a conviction to seek and save the lost, which means you're looking for the lost. Not just if a, save, a, a, a heathen comes knocking my door, then I'll be ready to save him. No, like Jesus has this component where he actually looks for them. That's why he calls us fishermen. Fishermen don't sit and wait for fish to just land in their boat. Fishermen don't just go, they're going to come to me. No, we go out looking for them. We, use, have, we have the bait. We have these things so they, we can draw the fish. We're looking for the fish. We, we go out and rent the boat. We go get the gear because we're trying to find fish. Jesus basically goes the same way that fishermen are with fish. Jesus goes, I'm with people. I go, I got to get my tools. I got to get my worms. I got to get my bait. I got to get my things so I can go out and find people. So Jesus says, I have that, and if you follow me, you will have that. He says, I will make you someone who goes fishing for people. Multiplication. Luke chapter 11, verse 14. He, sorry, and he was casting out a demon. This is Jesus. Jesus is the he. And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out the mute, uh, that the mute spoke. And the multitudes marveled. So we see accounts where Jesus is casting out demons. And then you fast forward, or you'll see in another scripture, Luke 10, 17. Then the 70 who were following Jesus returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subjected to us in your name. So you're seeing these, these replicas. Jesus knows how to cast out demons. And then his followers, now they can cast out, cast out demons. And this account was when they were, like, freaking out. They were so excited because they just couldn't believe that it worked. <laughs> they couldn't believe, man, we did it, and it actually happened. But that's what happens when you follow Jesus. You become like him. You can repeat what he does. You can walk in the same convictions, in the same desires, in the same power. Why? Because multiplication is in his nature. This is natural. So as we follow Jesus, he will make us leaders. So what's the vision of Nashville Life again? It's following Jesus, building leaders. Let me break this down so you can understand why we use that phrase. First step of the vision, follow Jesus. Building leaders, the second part cannot happen without this first part. There's a reason why it's in that order. 
There's a reason why it's not build leaders, follow Jesus. Because if we don't follow Jesus first, we will never have the authority to build leaders. Our authority in Christ is in direct correlation to our submission to Christ. There are scriptures of people who try to operate in the authority of Christ without submitting to Christ, and it didn't work out well for them. There's a reason that that order, hear me out, your authority in Christ is in direct correlation to your submission to him, which is why our vision starts off with you got to follow. you got to learn to follow Jesus. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And anyone who follows him will not perish. They will have everlasting life. They will have power. They will be connected to the Father. But you first have to follow. The relationship with him, with Jesus, only works when we first recognize his authority. I can tell you firsthand that the significance of authority, I truly underestimated how how significant the word authority is in this walk with Jesus. I've learned firsthand, until Jesus is over me, he really is nothing to me. I've I've tried it. I've tried being next to him, and it's as if he was not there. I've tried being over him. He's not there. It's not until I... Submission means I am taking my mission and I'm putting it under his. That's literally what submission means. You are taking your mission and you're putting it under someone else's. In this case, Jesus. Until Jesus is your authority, he really will prove to be nothing to you. As long as he's just another opinion in the pot of counsel in your life, as long as he's just one of the positive influences in your life, he will prove to be nothing to you. The fruit will not even work. He says, until you give up everything and follow me, you can't even start this thing. You can't even be my disciple. He, we must acknowledge him as authority. That's the first thing, the word authority. And I know a lot of us have reasons in history to have complexes with authority, maybe something with your natural dad, maybe something with the police, maybe something with your teacher, maybe something. But you have to ask God to deliver you from this because you cannot let your authority complex rob you from following Jesus. I know that you, I know authority has been abused in your life, maybe even from a pastor, maybe from a leader, but you, you, you can't. Let your complex continue to rob you from submitting yourself to Jesus. And if you think that the authority issues you have with people has nothing to do with your authority to Jesus, you're actually mistaken. Because Jesus says if you can't love people that you do see, how do you expect to love who you can't see? I believe the same goes for authority. If you can't submit to people that you can see, what makes you think? you can submit to someone who is invisible to you. 
And a lot of us have been hurt by natural authority, and it's causing us to not be able to submit to the spiritual authority of Jesus. And, it's reason, and that's why the fruit's not happening in your life. That's why there's still a disconnect. That's why it doesn't seem as natural like, oh, I'm just like Jesus because I'm the son of God. It's not flowing because that word is still not active. For some of us, he's Savior, but he's still not Lord. For some of us, he has forgiven us of our sins, but we still haven't said, you get to tell me what to do. Some of us have still yet to say, Jesus, you get to tell me what to do. And I put it in those phrases because that's really what it boils down to. If you are willing to let Jesus tell you what to do, then he's your authority. You must, and the reason why I'm staying so long on authority and the reason why our church needs to continue to teach on authority is because our vision is follow Jesus, build leaders. If our vision of a church is totally about giving you guys authority and releasing you under the authority of Jesus, we have to be under authority first. Our, the reason why we're talking about this in direct correlation to our calling, the Lord is wanting to entrust us with the authority of heaven. He wants to give us the authority of his name to where we can cast out demons, where we can pull people out of hell, where we can actually change destinies. There's so much authority he wants to give us. And that's the catch-22. The enemy wants us to think that that's, it's the opposite, that by submitting to God, the Lord is robbing you of your authority. But the enemy always wants us to think that the very thing that God is trying to keep us from, the very thing that God is trying to give us, he's trying to take away from us. The serpent tried to make Adam and Eve think that the very thing that God gave them, he was trying to hide from them. The Lord, it is actually the Lord's will that we have authority in this world. He said, I've given human beings the power to subdue the world. He actually wants us to be leaders. But until we can submit to his authority, we'll forever be robbed of this destiny. So the reason why Nashville Life is going to have to understand authority is because Nashville Life is called to walk in authority. And remember I said this, your, your authority in Jesus is in direct correlation to your submission to him. The more authority I have gotten in my life, the more I've had to operate under submission. Hear me out, just so you know. You don't graduate from this submission thing. In fact, the more you get promoted, the more you have to be submitted. I have more authority figures in my life now than I did 10 years ago. You would think it's the opposite, right? Now I'm the big man. Now I can. Man, it's the opposite. I was more independent in the beginning of this ministry and this journey than I am now. I got, I, don't tell, I can't tell how many voices, God-given ones, but it's them. I got about five pastors. I'm on the phone all the time, and they're like, nope. I'm like, okay, I won't do that. <laughs> and the reason why is because look, look where I stand. The more I lead, the more submitted I need to be. So for those of you who are letting the enemy deceive you, that authority means weakness, and it means someone's holding you back, and it means that you're studying your growth. It's, it's that Satan. That's Satan talking to you. Because 
actually submission is the gateway to authority. Submission is the segue and threshold to promotion. The Bible says, humble yourself and he will exalt you. Humility is actually the escalator up. So once you start to understand this, you give yourself to submission a lot easier. Once I started understanding what was happening, I'm telling you, I give myself to it because I don't want the Lord to put a cap on my authority. So I'm not going to put a cap on my submission. I don't want the Lord to say, oh, he's got too much authority, we're done. Because my influence will bring more people to Jesus. I don't want the enemy to put a cap on my influence because I want to be at a point where all I can say is, hey, repent to Jesus. And thousands say, okay. That's what happened to Peter. Peter stood and said, repent. And 3,000 men alone, not including women and children, said, if you say so, that's the authority that the Lord is wanting to give us to where we can say, turn to him. And people say, yes, I will turn to him. That authority is possible. But we're letting the enemy rob us of that influence because we still can't get over this word. There's a reason why I follow Jesus is first. And the next thing is build leaders. Follow Jesus, build leaders. Building leaders is a continuation of following Jesus. It's a direct connection. It's not like a stop and then start. As you follow Jesus, he will make you a fisher of men. He says, follow me, and as you follow me, I will transform you. I will transform you from someone without influence to someone with influence. I will transform you with someone who doesn't feel adequate to speak into people's life to feeling like you can do it. I will turn you from someone who's afraid to confront anyone to someone who's willing to do it. I will transform you to someone who has no draw to someone who has a lot of draw. I will transform you with someone who can say, hey, I'm, some, I'm having something at my house, and no one comes to someone who says, I'm having something at my house, and a lot of people come. He will transform. He will give you the ability to fish. He will give you the anointing and the appeal and the draw and the impact. He will give you the relationships and the connections to fish. He said, follow me. Think about, think about Simon. Simon Peter, before following Jesus, but he followed Jesus. And was it perfect? No, he messed up in a lot of ways. He denied Jesus three times, but he still kept pressing. He's, I'm going to get back on the horse. I'm going to get back on and keep following Jesus. And then the day of Pentecost, that same one who denied Jesus through his submission to Christ, when he said, because that's the thing, you can all, for those of you who've rebelled and who've sinned, be encouraged by Peter because don't, it doesn't matter how much you've rebelled, you're one submission step away from getting right back into the authority. I'll tell you that. You might have been rebelling. You are one obedient step away from being right back in line. That's the power of grace. You can be, you can be a rebel for 30 years. And then obey once and you're back on track. Peter denied Jesus. 
But the step that I think got him back on track was Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait in this room. And don't leave that room until I tell you, until you receive the Spirit. I'm going to send something. I'm going to send something your way. If Peter said, well, you know, I'm just not really feeling led to do that. Then, then I think he still would have been in rebellion. But even though he denied Jesus, he said, I'm going to go do that. So he went to the upper room. That was submission, him going to the upper room, waiting with, the, with 120. He was back in submission. He was doing what Jesus told him to do. And submission grants authority. So the spirit comes. Tongues of fire. Hallelujah. Speaking in tongues. People thought they were drunk. And they come outside. He starts going, hey, everybody. We're not drunk. It's too early in the morning to be drunk. What we've received is a fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. Where he will do this and that and that and that. And you guys need to repent from this crooked generation. And I'm yelling because I'm guessing he was yelling to all these people. I don't know how they were able to hear him, but they did. And he's saying all this stuff. He gives this long message. And the response was, what must we do to be saved? That's the authority story. He was denying Jesus, and then he repented. And fruit of repentance is obedience. That's how I know he repented, because he obeyed Jesus. And that was going to the upper room. He said, okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go into this room and wait for whatever Jesus told us to wait for. That was submission. And then, boom, authority. So if you're, if you're, if you're wayward, be encouraged. You're one step of obedience back into the line of the destiny for your life. No one is too far gone. No one is too far gone. There is no... There is nothing that disobedience has got you in that obedience can't get you out. There is nothing that rebellion has got you in that submission can't get you out of. He will redeem it. He will redeem you. That's what he does. So building leaders, that's when we get into the authority. Building leaders. Jesus the Great Commission, he told his disciples to go make other ones. I think it's important for you guys to know that it was Jesus' idea for human beings to build other human beings. Jesus told human beings, disciples, to go and make other ones. Which is why our church believes that we as human beings have the authority and responsibility and honor of making and building other people. And we do this not by our own will, but he goes, teach them what I taught you. Basically, discipleship is a game of telephone, really. Everything that Jesus told me, everything that Jesus wrote in his word, he just goes, hey, tell them everything I gave you, and it'll work. He said, I'll be with you the whole time. Building leaders... We do this through discipleship. That's another key word in our ministry, discipleship. And discipleship is basically making disciples, taking people 
and teaching them what Jesus has taught us to do. It's very simple. We don't speak on our own authority. We don't speak out of our own opinions. That's why sometimes y'all try to get me to talk my opinions on certain things. I have not been given the authority to do that. The Great Commission says, teach them what I taught you. Don't teach them what you think. Don't teach them what you feel. Don't teach them what you lean. Teach them what I taught you. And I've made people very mad about that. Because I'm limited to only teach you what he has taught us. I can't insert little Alvinisms in there and, uh, you know, my... I can't do it. But don't you, I, I can't do it. If the Holy Spirit can't do it, the Bible says the Holy Spirit never speaks out of his own authority. He only speaks what the Father told him to speak. Jesus didn't even have the right. Jesus said, I only say what the Father told me to say. He said, I only go where the Father tells me to go. If Jesus didn't give himself the right to go rogue, You think I'm going to give myself the right to go, well, you know, I don't think he meant that. I think he probably meant this. Let's just edit that, (laughs) Mia. I can't do that. And honestly, if you're calling yourself a disciple of Christ, you can't do that. Some of y'all, praise the Lord, y'all are bolder than me. I'm like, you can't do that. He didn't say that. He's Dad's going to find out. <laughs> you can't do that. Because of the authority that he's given us. It's all in, it's all in correlation to the authority. He, that's why humility is such an important thing. Because God is giving us too much authority to not walk in meekness and humility. Because our authority that we have in Christ, plus pride and arrogance, monsters. Authority in Christ plus pride and arrogance equals monster. Which is why we, we more than anybody, has, we have to be the meekest ones in the world. We have to be the most humble ones in the world. Why? Because our, our authority is too great. We're carrying the name of the king of kings. We have the ability to destroy lives. Because of the name that we carry as Christians. So we have to not give ourselves the right to step outside of humility, pride, submission. That's why you, you, you prophetic people out here, the ones who are prophetic, y'all scare me. Because the level that God allows some of you all to see, if it's not coupled with extreme humility... People who are prophetic can be either the greatest gift to the body of Christ or the greatest curse. Because the authority and the power is too great to not be subjected by meekness and submission. If your prophetic gift is a license for you to rebel against the authority that's been put into your life, and this is a public announcement, and nothing's happened, by the way, Public announcement, if you know someone in this church that is operating in the prophetic and they are not submitted to the leadership and they're talking against the authority, 
you're essentially talking to a witch. Witches are people that operate in the power of seeing in the spirit, but not under the authority. That's what witchcraft is. So prophetic people that see in the spirit and everything is I see this and they're speaking to your life and there's no spiritual authority, I promise you, you're talking to witchcraft. And for those of you who are operating in that, don't be condemned because remember what I said, what rebellion got you in, obedience can get you right back out of it. You can get right back into the pure gift of the prophetic if you would simply submit to the authority. The Lord will purify that gift again. He will sanctify that gift again. I'm telling you, authority, I strongly underestimated how important that word is in our walk. So we build leaders by the last word is love. And I'm talking about love, the biblical love. I'm not talking about like the way human beings define love. Some of you guys really need to like, just make sure you look at scripture. What does the Bible say about love? John 15, 13, Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for your friends. Love is not mere affection. Love is not mere hugs and goosebumps. Love is not feelings. Love is sacrifice. Your love is measured by your willingness to sacrifice. The love of Jesus is directly connected to his capacity and willingness to sacrifice, which is why the Bible says that since he loved us, he allowed himself to be crucified with us, for us. If your love isn't connected to any sacrifice, I can guarantee you it's not biblical love. Your love is directly connected to your ability to sacrifice. And the reason why Jesus can say that is because he lived it. Thank God Jesus didn't love us the way we love each other. Thank God Jesus didn't love us according to our definition of love. If he loved us the way that we define love, we would all be in hell right now. Because he would love us to the degree of his comfort. And the minute that wasn't uncomfortable, the minute that wasn't comfortable for him, that's where his love would end. And let me tell you, the cross was pretty uncomfortable. Crucifixion was not something that he was feeling good about. If you don't allow your love to go into sacrifice, you will fall short of what God says love is. So as building leaders, as, as attractive as the word leader sounds, the more you lead, the more you, people you are called to love, the more you will be called to sacrifice. Ask any parent. Ask any spouse. Because you're single, 
and you think you know what love is, and then you get married and realize there's a degree of sacrifice that you were, you're not accustomed to. It's like, oh, what's that? But that's because love, love is connected to sacrifice, right? And then you think you know what sacrifice, then you have that first child, and you have to sacrifice even more. Because the more people you love, the more people you will have to sacrifice for. So if we're called to make disciples, for every disciple that you're called to love, you are called to sacrifice for. And we follow this through the model of Jesus. I'll end with the scripture. John chapter 12, verse 24. Truly, truly, Jesus says, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Multiplication is taking something that was one and making it more. God is calling us to be fruitful and to multiply. He's talking to a bunch of individuals and saying, I know you're one right now, but Jenny, I'm calling you to be many. Collier, I know you're one right now. I'm calling you to be many. Ben, I know you're one right now, but I'm calling you to be many. Mike, I know you're one right now. I'm calling Truvon. I know you're one right now. I need you to be many. You already kind of got started. You got four kids. He's, he's on his way, but he goes, there's more. There's more than those four. There's a lot more. Daphne, you're one right now. I'm calling you to be many. Kanisha, one right now. You're called to be a lot. You're called to be many people. Blake, you're called to be many people. And just in case you guys think this isn't made up, he said, Abraham, you're one right now, but I'm calling you to be many. The call hasn't changed, guys. The call is the same. L.A., many. Sam, many. Kendra, many. He's calling us to be many. Kendra, Maxine, many. And that's a great call. Until we learn how to become many. Sonia, many. The way we become many. He goes, until we die, we will only be one. Blake, until you die, you will only be Blake. You will never become Blake, Blake's, 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 until you die. Jesus said, take it from me. Before Jesus died, there was only one. There was only one son of God. Jesus was the only son of God. He was one. But when he died, scripture says, now there are many sons, many daughters who get to call God dad. 
that didn't happen by just wishful thinking. Someone had to die for there to become more. And Jesus is saying the same goes for you. So this vision of multiplication, it calls us to die. And pray for us because that's not the easiest thing to brand when you're trying to attract people to your church. It's not the most brandable objective. You're going to die here. <laughs> it's not the easiest thing to brand. It's not the, the sexiest thing. But we're committed to it. We're going to try our best. We're going to put as many pastel colors on it as possible. We're going to put as many lights on it as possible and fun personalities as possible. But at the end of the day, it's death. <laughs> because that's our vision. Make disciples. Multiply. And you have to die to do it. And guys, when I say die, I'll end with this. I'm not asking anyone to, like, kill themselves. Right. Die is basically what obedience to him will feel like. When you obey Jesus, you will feel like you are dying. Jesus is the utmost just buzzkill to your agenda. He is notorious for saying, I know you want to do that, but I need you to do oh. And every time you feel that tear of obedience, just know, I'm dying. Whew. Every time you want to go right and Jesus says going left and you go left, you're going to feel that death. Ooh, I'm dying. <sighs> I'm dying. But then before you know it, you turn around, you got five people following you. And then you die again. And then two years later, you got 15 people following you. And you die again. Ah! And then you got 100 people following you. And then you go, ah! And you got 1,000 people following you. The more you die, the more you'll multiply. This is the vision of our church. So if, you, if you're here, this is what we do. If you're thinking about coming here, this is what we do. And we're going to do it until Jesus comes back. And if there's 30 people in here, we'll do it. If there's 30,000 people in here, we'll do it. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. So please stand because we're going to end. And we are going to invite more people to this life. We are going to invite more people to the route of following Jesus and building leaders. We want you to become a disciple of Christ, but more importantly, we want you to become a disciple maker. We want you to be someone who makes disciples who make disciples. And you can do it if you just start following Jesus. So I'm going to invite everyone here. If, it's, if, if you are ready to take that step and following him as authority, not just an affiliate, but as authority, not just as a friend, but an authority. I'm being very specific about this altar call. If you are ready to make Jesus the person who tells you what to do, 
then let's go. Join us. It's a sacrificial life, but it's the best life. Honestly, it will prove to be the only life. Repeat this prayer after me if you're ready to make Jesus your authority. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, if you're excited about being under the authority of Jesus Christ, I want you to shout, praise God, clap, express some level of gratitude. Some level of gratitude. Something. Express something. It's going to be good. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be good. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be fruitful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We trust you. We trust you, Jesus. We trust you because you are good and you are worthy of following, Jesus. Jesus, we follow you. We turn from our ways and we make our way your way. In Jesus' name. If you said yes to Jesus, please let us know about it. We want to keep track with people who are making this decision. Text yes to Jesus to 77411 on your phone. It's a simple, simple process, and that way we can keep track. We also want to meet you. So if you said yes to him and you want to come down, we're going to be down to pray for you at the end. So just come up to the front once we dismiss. If you're assigned to pray, uh, come on down and we can pray for people that need it. If you need prayer in any kind of way, we're here to pray for you. You can come down. You can also let us know on our website. We take prayer requests on NashvilleLifeChurch.com. If you would like to get connected to the church, we've got Next Steps, which is starting right after service. Next Steps, um, you get to meet our leadership, hear about more about the vision, how to get involved. Please go to room 104. And if you would like to give, give your tithes or your offering, and you didn't want to, and you didn't give uh, online, we can accept checks and cash from the finance team right here in the middle. They'll be happy to serve you on your way out. Please don't forget, it's important. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you, and we'll be back here next week. Pray for me. I'm going to Kenya for a week tomorrow. I'm going on a missions trip. Well, it's really a, a pre, preliminary missions trip. My prayer is that we can host a trip for Nashville Life to go do some international missions uh, in Kenya next year. So I'm going there to meet some pastors, meet some organizations, kind of scout it out, see what it can be for us, and then hopefully starting January or February, we can start hosting some interest meetings for those of you who want to get hands-on out in Africa. So uh, I'm going, uh, Kyle Erickson's going, and a few other leaders from other churches are going, and we, we're excited. So pray for us. Um, I'll be back next Monday. So. I won't be here, but we'll be hearing from our founding pastor, Love, next week. We haven't heard from him all year. He's got a word for us. I can't wait to listen to it on the podcast. So be here next week for that, and let me pray. Father, we bless you. We honor you, God. We thank you so much for this time. We thank you for the word. We thank you for the vision to follow Jesus and build leaders in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great afternoon.